We haven't entirely nailed down what element it is yet, but I'll tell you this, it's a lively one. Let's give your parents a call right now. Hello, welcome to episode number 44 of Gaming with the Moms. My name is Nicole Tanner. I am managing editor at Pixelkin.org and the mother of a three-year-old. I am joined, as always, by fellow mom and publisher of Pixelkin, Linda Brenneman. Hi there. And uh, dad and editor-in-chief of Engage Family Gaming, Stephen Dutzman. Hail and well met, everyone. <laughs> well met. Yeah, that's a great one. Um, and then our Nintendo expert, Courtney Holmes. Salutations. Nice. Thank Everybody's you. just going to come up with these great ways to say hello. That's that's pretty cool. I can deal with that. All right. Well, let's get started like we always do with some news. Uh, really quickly, story that broke today, which we talked about a little bit last week, Star Wars Battlefront. Jabba is coming. We will get to see Jabba the Hutt. Um, there's a new gameplay mode called Hutt's Contracts that will be coming out. We don't know details about what that is, but I can only assume that it's uh, bounty missions of some type, at least that probably what it should be um because that's what he did in the movie so so yeah super cool no dates yet for either the outer rim dlc or this update java is going to be part of a free update so everybody's getting him not just people who pay for the dlc which is really cool actually this is three kind of sad stories today this has been a sad week for video games so first of all coleco officially severed ties with the people who are making the coleco chameleon which was a yeah yes Stephen um so (laughs) sorry uh so retro vgs was the company that was making it and there were some pretty serious allegations made about what they were showing at toy fair that in fact they just had a snes jr taped inside their box um and it wasn't actually a chameleon original technology oh no really yeah so um (laughs) So Coleco oh. said, yeah, that's not cool, and uh, they've severed ties with them. So, Steven, you played this at Toy Fair. Was this a surprise to you? Uh, <laughs> yes. Okay, I want to say yes. And part of that is going to be me taking it on the chin for not having a huge amount of experience reviewing hardware. Mm. Um, because I am not a... While I am a one who enjoys retro gaming, I'm not by any means an expert and the people that did the sleuthing on this i mean shout out to the completely unnecessary podcast who did from what it looks like a lot of the legwork Mm -hmm. to figure this out um and there were some retro atari forums that just tore this thing apart based on just photos and i i completely had no idea um he everything he said sounded totally reasonable to me um the the big clues were that it was under glass and he wasn't letting anyone see it now that didn't bother me because it was a prototype and if it was the only working one why would he let some random yahoo like me look at it um it was running super nintendo controllers and he said that it was easier to just hardwire those in Mm. that should have been or at least the comments on engagefamilygaming.com imply that i should have been able to uh figure out that that meant there was was a red flag, but I didn't know. It sounded reasonable. And I was playing a Super Nintendo game. Now, that was the least of the concerns. I was playing Super Nintendo games. He told me that that's largely what it was going to play, unreleased Super Nintendo games. Right. So um, I should have known better, but I felt I fell for it because I was excited. I also hesitate to call anything fake. Yeah, um, that's a pretty until... serious allegation. So yeah. it is, yeah. Um, 
it's junk taped to a... The fact that it was duct taped didn't bother me. I mean, I do board game reviews, and bo I play... Bo man, I have played some things where, you know, I'm playing games that eventually have come out and been like these crazy, you know, $100 board games, but they were index cards and chess pieces right. that came out of a dollar store chess set. So, like... Prototypes are pro. I don't know. Yes. So I feel bad, but at the same time, I wasn't like hoodwinked and bamboozled. I just didn't think that they. I didn't think it was possible for them to not have a thing. Right. I just didn't think it was even a thing. Yes. It's you know we want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt, of course. So, um, but Coleco actually like they didn't just automatically say bye bye to this whenever the when the controversy started. They actually like took their time. They had some independent engineers look at things for a week and kind of sluice things out. And you know what? It just uh, yeah. They're like yeah, we can't can't put our name on this anymore. And they were very very nice about it. Um, yeah, it sounded like they were amiable. Yeah. Yeah, they were yeah. Uh, less amiable. Uh, earlier in the week, one of the major team members quit, and he oh. he posted this fairly lengthy um, post on LinkedIn <laughs> where it basically said, like, it's no shocker that I'm leaving because of all this controversy. So I was like, wow. Like, I don't know. Who do you expect to hire you now if you're throwing everybody under the bus? But yeah, so that looks like it's not happening. I mean, I guess supposedly they could make a real thing and sell it, and but I don't know how likely that is at this point. Yeah. So the the bad blood in that retro community, like the, those guys. Yes. Yeah. It's a very not happy. yeah very small, very tight knit community for sure. We've definitely seen that when Pixelkin is uh, exhibited at Seattle Retro Gaming Expo for sure. Um, yeah. Retro Portland. gamers know what they're doing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's a very serious hobby. Yes. Or a lifestyle, not necessarily even a hobby. Yeah, I would say a lifestyle. Absolutely. Okay, so. Other sad news, Microsoft has canceled Fable Legends, yeah. which was yeah. a free-to-play Fable game being made by Lionhead, which is this huge veteran studio that has developed all of the Fable games. It was founded by Peter Molyneux, like just the storied, storied studio. And Microsoft, it looks like they're going to be closing the studio as well as just canceling the game. They did come out and say for sure that they're closing their Denmark studio, Press Play. Um, but they had a really weird announcement about Lionhead. That, like, we're looking at a proposal to close. And I don't even know what that's supposed to mean. But um, so that's that's kind of not cool. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. sad. It it sounded to me like the waffling was just about the labor laws that they have in England are pretty strict. Oh, okay. So they have to kind of try to make it sound like they're... Oh, okay. <laughs> you know... Yeah. No, that makes sense. I think that might be. I have yeah. no idea what the labor laws are like in England, so. Oh, I didn't either, but I read up on it a little. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, the, the real tragedy is losing uh, press play. Um, the, the developers at uh, Lionhead are genius, and I'm sure they're just going to get reshuffled to other yeah. um, European studios, and they might even just reform another one. I mean, mm. it, it's entirely possible. Pressplay is a smaller developer, and Kalimba was genius. Kalimba was awesome. I, I really loved that game. It was really, really cool. Yeah. Um, it was a great, great co-op game, right? I played it with my husband a little bit, so um, that was awesome. I didn't so much care for Max, the Curse of Brotherhood that they made before that, but I thought Kalimba was really good. So yeah, I mean, it's a shame that, that these studios are getting shut down. They were working on something called Project Knoxville, which was this like arena 
co-op multiplayer thing where you're fighting monsters. I mean, it sounds fairly generic. I'm sure that it has something cool going on, but that was the first time that I had ever actually heard of it. Um, and I don't think Lionhead had anything in the works except for Fable Legends, at least nothing that has been announced. Yeah, it's too bad. You hate to see studios close, and hopefully all those people will still have jobs somewhere. Yeah, I think the game development community in the UK is fairly robust. Um, I wouldn't expect them to have much trouble. Denmark, I don't really know anything about. I'm not sure. I haven't heard of a lot of studios there. So that might be a little more difficult. We'll just have to see. So other sad news. Like I said, this is a sad news week. So (laughs) Disney and Wargaming have announced that they are not going to have their presence on the E3 show floor at all, following in the footsteps of Electronic Arts and Activision. And this is not looking good for E3. Well, to be fair, Wargaming, it doesn't really make sense for them to be at E3 anyhow because they're just all digital and they're really community-based. So being at E3 for press who press don't even really cover them that much. It didn't really make sense. Disney, on the other hand, is a different story. So yeah, I think E3 is dying, Stephen. I know we disagreed last time. <laughs> we we do, and I still I think you know what? There's actually a really good article. Uh, Patrick Scott Peterson, the original uh, at the original PSP, actually wrote an article this week talking about how E3 is evolving mm. as opposed to dying. And I I'm going to take the optimist approach, and it's okay. We don't have to agree on everything. We're just editors of rival sites. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I guess dying is is the wrong word. I think it's evolving as well. and But I think it's also because it has to evolve or it's going to die. So, like, I had some people, I posted the story on Facebook that I wrote, and I had some people uh, responding to me, like, well, Bethesda and Take-Two said they're going to be back this year in, like, a big way. And I'm like, yeah, this year, but, you know, what's going to happen next year? So and I think we talked about this a little bit the last time is that I really think that they need to adopt the Gamescom model, which is a couple of days of trade only and then a couple of days of open to the public. And Gamescom is huge. That works very well for them. I looked up some information on them after we talked um, last podcast, and I think we seriously understated their numbers. It is the biggest gaming convention in the world. Last year, 345,000 people attended Gamescom. (laughs) Do you have any idea how many people go to E3? Uh, it's usually been between fifty and 60,000. I mean, it's wavered a little bit, but it's sort of been around that number, except for the one weird year where they did this, like, mini business thing that was just really stupid, and it was just, it was weird. So that, there wasn't a lot of attendance on that one, um, but all the other ones that have been like it has been traditionally have had fairly fairly good attendances, but, you know. Gotcha. Yeah. So it would sort of compete with PAX a little bit then, right? If that happens? Yeah, but I think it has to. I mean, that's the problem. Like these fan shows that are open to the public are, they're competing with E3 directly. And E3 has the, you know, uh, trade people go to PAX too. So trade people and the public go to PAX. E3, you're cutting out half of, at least half of your audience by keeping it trade only. Right. So, so yeah. And we know how hard tickets to PAX are to get. Right, right. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And they sell out every time. Uh, in E3's favor, you know, uh, they're located in Los Angeles, which is pretty far away from Seattle. Lots of game develop or games press happens in San Francisco, which is still pretty far from LA, but it's mm-hmm. uh, closer to LA than it is to Seattle. So, yeah. And I'm over here in Connecticut, like, hey guys. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, you know what? You, you never have to know. go to Boston. Yeah. Boston, right, Stephen? Yeah. Um, well, I'm definitely going to be at PAX East. I'm actually speaking on a panel there on the 22nd. Cool. Nice. Cool. What's the panel? It's the same one I did last year with uh, Steve Lubitz, who you just published an article from him, mm-hmm. and a couple other people. It's called Parenting Un- uh, Parenting or Achievement Unlocked Parenting. It's a parenting panel. It's about it's a bunch of nerds that have kids talking about games. <laughs> um, I I don't know. I think it's a working title. It's something about achievement unlocked parenting, and you know we're going to talk about the mistakes that we've made. You know, raising kids as gamers and some of the successes we've had, and then we'll do some. Q&A and it'll be fun and I get to go to PAX even though I didn't manage to get a ticket on time. Um, yeah, that's what's because, always nice about well, being a speaker. I didn't get a ticket. Hey, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's fine. I'll get in anyhow. Yeah, exactly. at least for one day. <laughs> nope, they well, give you the full weekend. Yeah, I they know. Give you the full oh, weekend. they do? Speaker oh. badge. Yes. The speaker badge is the full weekend. Thank God. <laughs> they are very different from Emerald City Comic Con. <laughs> yeah, they're a little um, stingier with their badges. Yeah, I actually, you know, they've changed that this year. Oh, um, good. Yeah, <laughs> because I had to register speakers separately, and so they said, like, you're getting a speaker badge that isn't, you know, directly tied to the speaker. I suppose they could still send me day-only uh, badges, but it didn't sound like that was going to be the case. So, oh, good. So, fingers yeah. crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed, for, exactly. For sake of information uh, in regards to attendance numbers, Polygon... Um, little site we may have heard of they actually put up a chart of the last 10 years of attendance um 2015 was the first time it broke 50,000 um and then it was hovering in the mid 40s to up to you know 50,000 for since 2010 the highest is 70,000 back in 2005 my guess is when that was public wow and this is e3 you're talking about E3, yeah. yeah. So it's been 50,000, but it has been trending upwards in the last three or four years. I don't know if the that, this is attendance numbers, you know, kind of after the fact. We don't know what the, the lack of losing all these publishers will do. I mean, how many right. press outlets or buyers might just not send people if there's no Activision and no Disney, whatever. Right. But so we'll see. I mean, if there's a dip, then I, I think that's the real question. If, if attendance stays high then I don't think they're going to care. Because yeah. really, they just want butts in the seats. They don't really care who's selling to them. Yeah. And, I mean, it's 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 worth noting, too, that last year was the highest, but they also let 5,000 public people, like non-industry mm-hmm. people, into the show. And the way that they did that was they gave their big exhibitors a certain allotment of passes, and then those exhibitors were allowed to invite people. Yeah, we Nintendo, were... yeah Nintendo so nicely invited us, even though we weren't able to go. Yeah, they sent <laughs> us a pass, like, three days before E3. Yeah, <laughs> um, or they offered us a pass if we registered quickly enough, uh, because we have, uh, or because Pixelkin had that deal with the YouTube and them, so we we were publishing Nintendo Let's Plays, and then Nintendo was taking some of the advertisement, right, revenue. So yeah, that got us on their list, I guess. Yeah, which you know what, it's cool. It's cool to be on Nintendo's list. It's you know definitely worse things there. Okay, and so last bit of news here. We're going to shift to something positive. So there's a cool little game called Save the Park. It is a game that is made in association with the National Park Service, and it's developed by Shell Games, which is is really cool. That studio is run up by Jesse Shell, who I actually saw speak, strangely enough, at the Women in Game Awards a few years ago. Strange because, you know, he's a guy speaking at the Women in Games Awards, and I, I really believe he was the only guy there. 
here. But he was a really great speaker. He was really interesting. He talked about like the dynamics of how game development changes based on how many women are on the team and all that kind of stuff. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it was really, really cool. But back to Save the Park. Linda, you checked out this game. What can you tell us about it? I didn't actually play the game. I just researched it and looked at the video. I played um, it. Did you play it? Cool. Yeah, did you like go ahead. it? You oh, finish it, telling your just... impressions and then I'll talk about it. I don't want to interrupt. Okay. Okay. What I think's cool about it is that American Express funded it mm. and in um, conjunction with Games for Change. And the idea is that people will play the game and be motivated to go volunteer in national parks. And it's part of the bigger initiative that's trying to reach the level of a hundred or of a million people volunteering in national parks mm. because they just want to get people engaged with national parks and do the conservation work and all that stuff so this game is supposed to encourage you to do that so steven did it do you think well encourage I, you <laughs> um no uh but <laughs> I, I don't but that, but that's I was afraid of that well, i think it's, it's a really hard thing for a game to do honestly i, yeah. I don't think that that's because of any lack of its messaging Tr truth be told i played the game while eating dinner and writing another article so i mean i was i was multitasking to the nth I, I will be putting more time into it because i find it interesting i mean it's certainly it's actually fun um the idea is you control a park ranger and their little buddy and you have to swipe up and down on the right and left side of the screen to control them and you have to move and you're basically supposed to pick up trash or plant trees in different in different environments mm -hmm. and you get a score chase if you can get a combo which is to have them pick stuff up at the same time while they're walking through these you know kind of horizontal paths it was neat i found it very i actually found it more challenging than i thought i would mm -hmm. um to ask did it motivate me to um you know volunteer in a national park no however I'm, I mean, anybody, I, I don't, I'm not like much of an outside guy. So, <laughs> yeah. um, it, it might've, if it were, if there were monetization in there, I mean, I might be motivated to spend money to buy things yeah. to support volunteers. You know, I'll buy a volunteer a pizza, you know, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'll do something like that. I just, the likelihood of me going outside for something like that is, is nil. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that nowadays there aren't so many public services service message opportunities that people don't watch TV, mm, right? right? So a lot of the nonprofits and big initiatives like this are, are using games to try to reach people mm. and um, convince them of something. And I think that's what this is doing. Honestly, uh, so I've been playing Firewatch a little bit. I took a break to play Twilight Princess this week, but... No, Courtney. You're telling me you took a break to play Twilight Princess? I'm sorry. I do want to say yeah. Firewatch, that is a game that motivates me to go to a national park. It is wow, so cool. it's so beautiful and so isolated and you have to use a map and a compass to walk around and explore this area and that made me really want to go camping because the main character is working for the park service in a in a firewatch tower which apparently you can rent out these towers which are designed they're designed to have amazing panoramic views right so you can spot fires and you can just spend a weekend in one and God, it wow. just sounds fantastic so so what happens if there's a fire going on when you rent that for the weekend well the isn't, that <laughs> isn't that kind of um, i don't know seems like it would be problematic <laughs> You know, I, I'm sure that there are some that are no longer being used for Firewatch Towers, or maybe there's some uh, okay. condition about um, mm -hmm. which time of year they're available because there's a low fire risk or something. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. But it's a beautiful game, and it made me want to go be outdoorsy. So wow. good job, Campo cool. Santo, which is the company that made it. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. I've been playing a game 
lately that encourages you to go outside as well. It's called Ingress. It is a, I don't know if I talked about it last week or not. It's an augmented reality game that you play through your phone. And they're basically, it's kind of sci-fi, two factions of people. You join one or the other. And there are portals around the world, like in real places. And you have to go to these portals and try to capture them for your team. And there's like little like, you know, you attack things on your phone or whatever. But a lot of the portals are in public spaces that they want people to visit like landmarks and parks and all these kinds of things and it's super cool I went to an event in Seattle a couple weeks ago and oh man are these players hardcore yeah (laughs) it was just insane Uh, so I've never played Angris before but that's the same company that's working with the Pokemon company to make Pokemon Go it is which is really cool it is. I interviewed the CEO and we talked about Ingress for like 20 minutes. And then I'm like, so, hey, what can you tell me about Pokemon Go? And he's like, uh, we're working on it. It looks great. <laughs> oh. I'm like, yeah. He's like, I can't say anything. I'm like, yeah, I kind of figured. But, you know, I had to ask. Like, Yeah, good job. <laughs> I could not ask. So. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so that game is super cool. I'll be writing about it soon on Pixelkin. It's just uh, it's kind of wow. hard to organize all that information. It's probably going to be a super huge article. But. So yeah, I look forward to reading that because I don't really know how to picture it, you know? Yeah, it is. It is kind of difficult. It makes me kind of, I don't know how I'm going to visualize it when I'm writing about it. Maybe I'll need to make yeah. a video or something. There's actually a portal like right by my house, which is kind of funny. Like I downloaded the thing the, the morning of the event and I'm like, you know, looking on the map and it's like, there's a portal at Locust Way Park. And I'm like, hey, that's like a two-minute drive. Let me just go do this. <laughs> and it was neat. I mean, I was in a low enough um, – I was a really low level, so I couldn't capture it. It was owned by the enemy faction. Um, but I got to check it out right away and see how it worked. And it was really cool. And it turns out I just learned at a birthday party this last weekend that one of uh, my mom's club members' husbands actually plays it. Hardcore plays it. He's like level 13 or whatever. And I was like, wow. Wow. That is pretty cool. He's the opposite faction, though, so, yeah. Enemy. Yes, enemy, (laughs) exactly. He's like, you know, I'd give you some tips, but, yeah, no, I'm not going (laughs) to do that. Ah, come on. Right, I know, exactly. It kind of makes me think of geocaching. It is. It's like geocaching, except for your attacking play these fictional portals instead of actually leaving something for someone else so it's it's probably not as uh, good natured as geocaching <laughs> yeah. is um but one of the things that that the ceo said that they that they didn't expect was sort of the social aspect of it because if you get a lot of people together to go attack a portal at the same time it's a lot easier to capture it so there are people that have four it's essentially like guilds like you would do in world of warcraft and that they go around and they you know do this in teams and that's what was happening at the seattle event with their there were people in teams i mean you could go even if you didn't have a team and they would put you in one but there were like crazy organized teams at this thing like there was a team of people who used to be marines and they had this oh crazy like they marched down um oh from the, the space needle to the fountain in seattle center like marched marched and then they were doing like all this weird like calisthenic stuff and i was like <laughs> i was sitting on the fountain just watching them in awe i'm like wow these people are super hardcore about this game. That that reminds are me. Are they trying to intimidate others? Is that it? I have or no idea. I mean, it all, just se- it all seemed everyone. very good-spirited. Yeah. So, um, when I was going to University of Washington, uh, at the, 
three times a year, so once every quarter, uh, there would be a giant game of humans versus zombies uh, tag. Where, oh, that's cool. And mm. you identified yourself based on, I think you either had like a headband or an armband, which would distinguish you as a zombie or a human. Mm. And so just for an entire week, every three months, you would just see people running around with Nerf guns and like attacking each other. And it was hilarious. <laughs> and there was a guy in one of my classes who was a Marine um, and he signed up for it. And I just remember being like, thank God I'm not playing this game because you're like <laughs> the most buff human being I've ever seen. <laughs> you would he run was... me down in a second flight. Yeah, he could probably snipe people too. It's just, yeah. <laughs> I said at least this game there's no actual physical attacking of things I suppose if you got really mad it could get physical but mostly what you see going on is a bunch of people on their phones just like pressing buttons near a place so that's basically all it is. I was just gonna say having I have having firsthand experience LARPing with people that are former military it is a devastating experience playing a full combat LARP with people who have actual combat training. It takes, it wow. really forces you to like really rethink your strategies. Yeah. Um, and there's bruises. There's bruises. Yeah. Well, did you, have you learned any like cool, like, I don't know, sword fighting or anything like that from these people? Well, so no, only because in like boffer LARP combat. There's a there's a chapter of the game that I play in Seattle. I should come out there and and bring you. Um, yeah. But the it, I'm out. it's it's super. Well, I do need to eventually. Um, but so the combat is super abstract. So there's really not much to learn from them uh. that I don't already know. Being that I've been playing for about ten years, but the idea of like their impressive and like th their their stamina is. Mm. And their speed. I mean, just everything that they... Once once I'm standing there with a guy, it's different. But, man, I can't run away. There's no... I'm it, just done. <laughs> so yeah. they are... And they also have... They have they're very cool under pressure. Uh, where mm. if, if they have a plan and things are going poorly, which happens because it's just like, you know, regular combat, at least theoretically, um, they, they just are not phased whereas yeah. it's easy to get shaken where there's a lot of stuff happening and there's noise they don't they don't care so it's it's very interesting yeah that's super cool wow all right so let's move into our general topic which is actually news so nintendo did a nintendo direct presentation on march 3rd and oh Boy, this one was super packed. We talked about it a little bit last week where Courtney was hoping that they would talk about more than just Star Fox and Pokken Tournament. And boy, did they talk about more than those two things. So uh, just really quickly, I'm going to run through just a few of the things that they talked about. So Pokken Tournament is coming out on March 18th. They talked about a bunch of updates to some of their other games that are happening in March as well. April, <laughs> Star Fox has been confirmed for April 22nd, which with a really weird Star Fox offspin that we can talk about in a little bit. And then they're doing a Disney Art Academy, kind of like Pokemon Art Academy that they did last year or the year before. Um, and then there's also this awesome game that I totally want to play called Pocket Guard Jockey, which we can talk about a little bit later too. And then there's a new Kirby game coming in June. And there were lots of things that they talked about where they didn't actually um, give us any release dates for sure. So what did we love? What do we love to see? Courtney, I'm sorry that there, there wasn't an announcement about the next Zelda. You know. Mm. That wasn't I... going to happen. Stop. <laughs> stop it. Stop. 
<laughs> first Come off, I, I do want to say, in your face, Stephen, Star Fox Zero is confirmed April 22nd. <laughs> not delayed. This is literally the week of, so can we make the title of this podcast, In Your Face, Stephen? Absolutely. Absolutely. Because I think that kind of needs we'll to happen. Okay. So, yeah. you know what? That's fine. I, I, I said that I, I will take it on the chin. I bet that they were going to, I made some bold predictions, and I feel like that my, be, making bold predictions is going to be my job here. So, they, they, they put it, it's confirmed. It's gonna happen. I didn't believe it. I'm not gonna like die on my that mountain and say they're gonna delay it now. But <laughs> I, so now the question is, they're gonna release it, and now the real question is, is it gonna be any good? Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, the I was I will admit that I was was not lost on me that multiple times during the direct and at least uh, it was at least once during the press release when they sent me the big wrap up, they said. And you'll be able to get better as you play the game. Yeah, which, I, noticed, which, I noticed that like, too. <laughs> of course you're going to get better as you play the game. Because that's how to... video games I work. Know. Why... Why, why do you need to call that out? It's I like... know exactly why they need to call I it know, out. I know, that's <laughs> what I was saying. Because it's... So, well, why don't... Why don't we say why they have to call that out? The, so I think our listeners need to know. Yeah. Courtney, tell us. So it's been several months since I played this game at PAX, but when I played it, the controls were very unintuitive. Uh, and I absolutely had... I, looking at it, I felt like I should be able to play it right away because it looks just like Star Fox 64, but it does not handle anything like Star Fox 64, or at least as of six months ago. Uh, hopefully, they've made some updates. But yeah, the takeaway is it's going to have a really steep learning curve. And I... It sounded like it was almost backwards and upside down or something, <laughs> which I would never be able to learn to play. Yeah, I know you I'd keep just Courtney. You keep describing it. how it handles, and I can't even, I can't even picture in my head how to make that work. Yeah, it was. <laughs> so yeah, it was. It was strange. I just, I really wanted the right joystick to control the camera angle, and it mm. didn't. And that threw me off so much, but I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to spending some hours with it and really getting getting my practice in. But yeah, this is not going to be, from from what I saw of it many months ago, it's not really the kind of game you could just pick up and go. Yeah. I, I will say I am super duper looking forward to the co-op mode. Yes. The only reason that I would buy that game is and I'm I'm definitely not going to be able, I'm not buying it at launch. There will not be an EFG review for that one right away. I just can't justify it. But eventually I'm going to buy it so I can play through the co-op campaign with my older son cuz I think that actually has the potential to be really awesome where either he flies the ship and I shoot or vice mm. versa. I think that might be a worthwhile experience by itself and if they just released it as a co-op experience and just said guys listen this isn't a $60 release which is it's a $20 game co-op only i think it would have gone over very well but hey you know they're, they're making video games it's what nintendo does i'm definitely yeah. glad that they have the co-op mode because i really feel like that's going to make a lot of it easier uh, aiming with the gamepad while you're trying to fly on the screen was, was difficult hmm. and while i don't think that if i were in charge of it i wouldn't get rid of the single player mode but i would definitely emphasize that that was going to be like that's going to be for advanced players and most people will probably enjoy the co-op mode Again, this is based off of a beta version of the game, so hopefully they've changed yeah. some things. 
but yeah well i mean betas doesn't sound like it yeah once <laughs> yeah once you get to the beta stage of a game it's uh it's not very likely that you're going to make serious changes so the other thing that, that i found really interesting was this uh it's called Star Fox guard i'm it's excited be... okay sorry okay no it's <laughs> i mean it sounds cool it's bundled in with Star Fox, um but you're basically using security system to like track your enemies and and destroy them. So the thing that was weird about me is like this game looks really cool. What the heck does it have to do with Star Fox? It's like they had this cool game that they just slapped a Star Fox label onto. I have I mean, an did answer. Did you guys think about that? Okay. Yeah. So uh, Project Guard was announced a couple years ago at E3 alongside another project called Project Robot, uh, and these mm-hmm. were just sort of billed as little things that Miyamoto was working on in his semi-retirement before he came out of that yeah. immediately. But um. They were basically experiments that he was conducting with the Wii U to try to come up with creative and clever plans for using the second screen. Mm. And ever since then, uh, it's been kind of on the back burner of like, where are these going to show up? They're both kind of like mini games, so they didn't feel like they deserved their own title. It seemed like maybe Mm. if they were bundled together with maybe a third or a fourth game, that that could justify a disc on its own. But Mm. it looks like um, this is how they've finally found a way to get Project Guard out into the world, at least, is to attach it to Star Fox. Maybe as a bit of an apology <laughs> for <laughs> any other problems that they feel the game might have. I, I that would hope, be funny. I hope yeah, not. We know, Star, we, we know Star Fox isn't that good, but here, here, we've, we've given you this free game along with it, so okay. I, I do just get over it. I really hope that Star Fox turns out to be good. I love Star Fox 64. It was a big part of my childhood, and I hope that this new version can which is okay it's not a remake of Star Fox 64 but very similar looking at least mm-hmm. and similar story I hope that it can bring back some of my feels <laughs> but I'm also I'm excited about um, Star Fox Guard because I think anytime that Nintendo is able to sort of prove that the second screen system mm. is worth your money like I get excited because I think that second screen gaming can be really cool and so many games don't use it well so i'm i'm excited mm-hmm. about it it should be cool i think that guard game looks really really cool too i'm not terribly excited about Star Fox in general because it's not my thing but yeah it's just like i just thought that that was odd it's like this this really cool game with like cameras and stuff and it's like and it's Star Fox. and miyamoto gave this silly little backstory thing about one of the characters from Star Fox, and i'm like man that really just feels like it was slapped on it's slippy and his <laughs> mm-hmm. uncle grippy I know, like attacking people with their security cameras. I'm like, what does this have to do with anything? <laughs> so. Yeah. Well, I mean, to be fair, Star Fox hasn't has has tried other types of gameplay before. Like Star Fox mm. Adventures for the GameCube was. I mean, I've only played the beginning of that game because honestly, it was so bad. I don't. I don't know how anyone gave it. It was like it was really, really bad. <laughs> um, but that that one was much more of a like a running around and picking up boxes and stuff. You were there was very very not much of the game was piloting a ship. Mm. So some of the updates that we're getting in March, uh, Splatoon update with new Splatfests and better matchmaking. I still haven't played Splatoon. I got inter- I was trying to do the tutorial. I got interrupted like five minutes in um, by my daughter. It's so, and so I been good. Able to go back with it. I know, but I didn't like, like, t- please tell me that the, the camera option changes once you get through the tutorial because I really, really hate using the gamepad for that. Uh, you can actually do quite a bit to adjust your your controller options. I think if you go into okay. options, you can change the axis, you can change the sensitivity. 
and a bunch of stuff to really customize the experience to make it your own. Okay, good. Because I'm like, I'm never going to play this game if this is the way it controls all the way throughout. Anyhow, so there's a, there's a Splatoon update coming. I still have to check out the game. There's a Super Mario Maker update coming, which is going to add keys and key doors and things of that nature. But the most uh, interesting thing I found was the Virtual Console update for 3DS, in which they're going to make a lot of old Super Nintendo games that you can download and play, many in their native resolution. Woo-hoo. So, hey, Coleco Chameleon is gone, but you know what? You can be able to download all these cool SNES games on your 3DS. Yeah, I'm a... So. Your new 3DS, to be specific. Oh, that's correct. That's correct. Yeah. Unfortunately, there's a terrible... Nintendo is not great at naming things. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but I'm a, I'm a big fan of Virtual Console. I think it's really a smart way for Nintendo to capitalize on a lot of the um, nostalgia that its fan base has for old titles. Uh, so basically, if you own a Wii U or a 3DS, you can just access hundreds and hundreds of games for older consoles. So like, yeah. I like recommending uh, the Wii U just because it's like a bunch of consoles bundled into one. So Yeah. So Pocket Tournament, Pocket Tournament is coming on March 18th as well. I know Courtney wasn't super excited about this, but Steven, you were, right? I, yeah, I, we... We just pre-ordered it today, uh, so I'll have it. That will, yeah, there will be a review up on Engage Family Gaming shortly after it's out. It's, yeah, I'm really excited. Street Fighter is my is my jam, mm. but um, Tekken is a is a close second. And realistically, any game where I get to have uh, Pikachu give someone a Stone Cold Stunner is is pretty <laughs> much. I mean, I can't not play that game. It looks super cool, and it's going to be at Evo this year oh. um, mm. for the the professional fighting game tournament. So I just can't wait to play it, and then three months later, watch a bunch of professionals make me look like a silly kid. It's going to be <laughs> awesome. Wow. Um, Very cool. Mario and Sonic at the Rio 2016 Olympic Games. I didn't realize that these Mario and Sonic Olympic Games were still going on but oh, yeah. apparently they are <laughs> I, I can't believe Every i forgot about it and didn't predict it for nintendo direct <laughs> <laughs> yeah um so this is pretty cool they're they're adding some new events like rugby which is a popular sport and uh rhythm gymnastics which is mm. pretty cool too so that's coming now, out on the are 3DS they gonna have yeah is that one gonna come with trash in the water <laughs> uh, okay, explain that, please. I have no idea what you're talking about. Um, so if you're following, I'm a huge Olympics nut. Like, okay, this is something that like this is like legitimately. I'm a Winter Olympics guy specifically. Big fan of the speed skating, which is really weird. I don't know why, but I'm a huge Olympics nut. I'm gonna. I watch them the whole time. Cry nonstop. Can't <laughs> can't help it. It's a thing. Um, I'm gonna do it until the day I die. But. So if you follow the development of the Olympics at Rio, one of the issues that they've been having is a lot of uh, div- like issues with uh, logistics. And div- you know, the, it's Rio is not a very nice or attractive city. Right. Um, its locale is amazing. Yeah. Right? I mean, it's beautiful. It's in Brazil, whatever. But it is. It doesn't have a good power grid. Um, there's garbage all over their bay, etc. Mm. One of the problems that they're having is that the bay where they want to do like the the crew racing and some of the sailing, and that they're going to have shots of the ocean, mm. um, is nonstop garbage. Oh, so geez. they have had to find ways to creatively dredge garbage. Otherwise, it is entirely possible that in the middle of a crew run. Um, they will run into a milk jug 
or some other piece of garbage. And I'm sure that they figured it out. It's just whenever I think of the Rio games, I just and they talk about like arenas based on the the um, actual Rio arenas, which right. sounds awesome to me. I'm like, so is there going to be garbage? Are they going to be like racing through slums? Right. Like, it's just. It's not a great place. Like I don't know how it ended up. I don't know how Rio ended up with the Olympics. Yeah, but I think a lot of countries don't really want them. The Olympics are this enormous financial burden for whoever ends mm-hmm. up hosting them. So it's it's become sort of an interesting political issue. Yeah, yeah. Stephen, when you're talking, I had no idea about this garbage thing because I don't follow the Olympics. Sometimes I'll watch them, but not really. Um, but you're talking about a crew run, and I'm just like, wow, they could invent a new style of that, like it's obstacle chorus. Like you got. <laughs> Gotta row around all the garbage. And... Well, well, they have whitewater rafting in the Summer Olympics now, so oh, that's. Okay. But they do it in they they. It's kind of in a controlled environment. Yeah, mm. I mean, it be, I, I'm sure it'll be fine, and I'm sure that they're not going to put that in Rio. I was just being salty, so sorry. Carry on. <laughs> <That's okay. laughs> Honestly, I think this Mario and Sonic at the Olympics is probably some really good PR for Rio and yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we continued having Olympic Mario games for a while just because there was so much negative PR around the Soichi Olympics or even around the Beijing Olympics because they had all that um, crazy algae explosion in their water back when that mm-hmm. happened. Um, so I guess Mario gives them a chance to uh, shine a happy light on what is supposed to be a joyous occasion. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm going to skip ahead here there was um some games that are like that i I suppose could be like huge huge games for some people listening but for me i'm kind of like i never heard of this so there's going to be a bravely second end layer which is a sequel to steven (laughs) do you know what this game is because i so do not oh oh my god okay so i'll make this super super brief because i well, I'm the rambling man. So, <laughs> Bravely Default, which is the original game, was uh, came out I think 2014. It was one of uh, my website's games of the year. Oh, okay. Um, it is, and this is my bold claim here. It is the best Final Fantasy game to come out since Final Fantasy X. Mm. Um, arguably, if you discount ten because of the awful voice acting, I think it's the best since six. It is bonkers good if you like old school Final Fantasy games and are like man I don't like this new junk you know <laughs> Titus was lame and I don't want to see what Noctis is doing in Final Fantasy 15 first off you're crazy if that's what you're thinking but the this game is it returns it to the old school but it does it with a lot of modern sensibilities that there's just some of the quality of life stuff that makes it so much better like I can't play a role playing game anymore without some of them for example mm-hmm. you can turn off encounters or you can double them. So um, I have the ability to grind when I want, and if I just want to go to a place so I can go to an inn, I can literally go into the settings and turn off random encounters, and then I can just wander around. That's Um, fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. It's it's super good. (laughs) One of the things I hate about playing Final Fantasy was, like, running into monsters, like, everywhere. I'm like... Geez, could I could I just walk down this path and get to the next town already? <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, exactly. It fixes all of that. Um, I mean, it's got the job system. With I mean, it's got a lot of the Final Fantasy trappings. It is published by Square Enix, so it is a Final Fantasy game. It just has a different name. And the other, the big key, and they talk about bravely default is the primary thing. You actually have the ability to take multiple turns at the cost of. You basically get to borrow future turns. So, hmm. and then you can also, when you defend, 
you actually save up a turn, so you actually have a much, the battles have more of a flow to them. I know Courtney has a problem with turn-based combat, and I totally buy that. This kind of bypasses some of that and gives it more of a strategic flow, because at any time, you could say, you know what, I think you're going to die, and you can have your two DPS guys just go full and just take four turns with their most powerful moves, and maybe you'll kill it. If you don't, you'll be a little bit more vulnerable. It's you get more. There's more decisions that way. It's amazing. Also, there's an amnesiac whose name is Ring a Bell. Think about it. <laughs> a plus He's kind of pervy, but <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, a, yeah. A plus localization. He's a little right. pervy. That that's the only problem that bothers me is he's really that that particular character is super, super, super dirty. But I mean, what are you gonna do? <laughs> I, I mean, liked do, him until you said that part. <laughs> Well, I can't. I can't undo everything. I yeah. play Smite. Okay. So. Okay. Right. Um, okay. So, uh, some of the other games they announced: Lost Reavers, which is a free-to-play online cooperative game. Kind of looks a little bit like Diablo to me. Um, those things are not—they're not terribly interesting to me because I don't care for those types of games. But there's this game that they announced, which is so crazy. I think it may be the most bizarre thing I've ever seen. It's called Pocket Card Jockey in which you are horse racing, but how your horse does in the race is dependent on you playing solitaire quickly. It's, just, <laughs> I, it's just... I was with them until they had horse breeding. Oh, right, right. Then there's the horse breeding afterwards. <laughs> it's, like, it's like solitaire meets... I don't know what is even a horse racing game meets Harvest Moon or something. It's just it actually if you look at um, some of the sort of smaller games that have been coming out on the 3DS lately, like uh, Pokemon Picross or the there's another Pokemon one that's sort of like a, a mini game where you're matching. God, I can't believe I forgot what it's called, but you're matching like Pokemon in rows, sort of like Bejeweled or whatever. Um, mm. It kind of I can see that Nintendo is putting a bigger emphasis on these mobile-esque games. Like, yeah. So it, it's not too surprising to me that they're coming out with a title that's a crazy twist on Solitaire since they have a crazy twist on these other famous sort of mobile games. Right, yeah. And Pokemon Shuffle Pokemon, does... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Speaking Steve. of Pokemon, this game's being made by Game Freak, the same people that make Pokemon. Oh, hmm. well, look at that. Um, yeah, Pokemon Shuffle is the, the match three Yeah, that's too. it, thank you. Yeah, my my daughter likes to play that one. She the thing that game like it's okay, but as far as a free to play goes, it's really really brutal in the amount of time you have to wait yeah. for your next turn. It's like half an hour. We're in like Candy Crush. It's like five minutes. It's just, it's just insane. Same with um, their um. They have a there's a claw drop one too. The um badge arcade uh, on 3ds mm-hmm. is another one. Where you get to you get one free play a day, and then you have to wait. <laughs> A day. Yeah. Wow. So. Wow. That's even worse. They're a, um, I'm I'm hesitant or to see how Nintendo does once they start actually creating mobile games. <laughs> right. Exactly. Okay. So other stuff announced here quickly with no specified date. Uh, Paper Mario Color Splash. There's going to be a remaking of Dragon Quest Seven, Monster Hunter, Metroid Prime Federation Force. I found this. Uh, the presentation of that game to be extremely interesting. It's, they talked about how the game had been in development for a while, and then they decided to stop and do it a different way, which was a little odd. Did you guys think that that was odd? You know, so many weird things happening happen during a game's development. 
It's uh, nothing surprises me anymore. Well, they had originally started the development for the DSi, and right. so the reason they stopped was largely based on hardware concerns. Mm -hmm. They wanted to create a multiplayer game, um, and my bet is they had this game built in their design document and start and pushed through it and went, wait a minute, we can't do this, and then mm -hmm. tried to cut and cut to try and make it fit on the DSi. And then realized that they had garbage, so they wanted to stop it. That's a Super Nintendo kind of thing. Mm. They don't... I mean, up until this past year, they have been obsessed with quality. Right. Um, and so the idea of them getting, you know, a third of the way into development and then saying, you know what, let's just wait for technology to catch up, that sounds Super Nintendo to me. Yeah. Yeah. That's super cool. I, I, I hear that. It's just... Um... I guess it's so outside of what you usually hear coming from game developers. And then another game, Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix, which is super cool. The Rhythm Heaven games were just, they're, they're just these fabulous things where you play mini games to music and it's just, yeah, it's just it's just amazing. That sounds fun. The little mini games, some that. of them are really, really nuts. It's, it's pretty funny. Okay, so I think we covered pretty much everything. Courtney, what was your... Um, what was your favorite thing that they announced? I'm excited for the new Kirby game. Ah, cool. Yeah, uh, Kirby and the Rainbow Curse was a bit of a letdown for me just because I had a really hard time drawing the lines and watching the television at the same time. Like, you mm. could read my review on Pixelkin if you're curious about it, listeners. But I felt like it just didn't, it didn't feel very, na it was, was, it was kind of difficult to play. I don't know, and there wasn't very much content there. So I'm looking forward to sort of a return to more classic Kirby format. Cool. Steven, how about you? The, the thing that I'm looking forward to the absolute most is actually uh, Paper Mario. Mm. Because, I, I, I mean, ever since Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door for GameCube, I have been obsessed with that series. And the last one on the 3DS was disappointing just because of the way that it worked. And I didn't wasn't a huge fan of the Mario uh, and Luigi crossover. So the idea of a full-on console Paper Mario game has me super excited. I'm also really interested in Tokyo Mirage Sessions Sharp mm. FE just because I want to play a game that has that Japanese of a title. Right. <laughs> and music too. Like that that's like crazy thing. It's like what is it like role playing when we are a pop star or something like that? I guess they that um Final Fantasy 10-2 did a little bit of that, but um yeah, I love that stuff that comes out of Japan like that. Okay, let's see. I Honestly, I probably wasn't wasn't super excited about anything. I'm not terribly huge Nintendo fan. I guess uh, one of the things that sounded a little interesting to me was Mini Mario, Mini Mario and Friends Amiibo Challenge. Just because it's going to be a free download um, that you can just use your Amiibo that you already have, which sounds pretty cool since we have a few of those now, and it sounds like something that Anna might like to play and or watch. Nicole, so. have you ever played uh, Mario vs. Donkey Kong? Yes, I have. Right, so it looked like a really similar style of gameplay in this one. Right, yeah. And then, but it's like Chipping Stars. Yes. yes. And, and each character has like their own little level thing, which I thought was really cool. And they showed, they showed Yoshi, so I'm like, hey, that's cool. I've got a Yoshi amiibo. Okay, so, so Linda, did you have anything that you're excited about? You know, I'm going to hold out for Zelda. I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm... I don't think I've got quite the hang of the Wii U, the second screen thing yet. And um, I've been trying a little bit, but I'm not really too good at that yet. So, but maybe Zelda on the NX will be a little different. I don't know. Maybe. We'll just have to see. I, I kind of 
hope there's not another screen. I know you like it, Courtney, but it is. That, it, that's it is hard. That sound our listeners heard was Courtney's heart breaking when I know. said <laughs> when it's on the Sorry. NX. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> well, we'll see if it comes out for NX. You know. Just because there's a new console coming out, maybe as soon as the end of the year, that doesn't necessarily mean that Nintendo is giving up on the Wii U. I mean, um, a great example is right or after Game Boy Color was no longer particularly popular when uh, Nintendo had already created the Game Boy Advance, Nintendo released two Zelda games, uh, Oracle of Ages and Oracle of Seasons, that came out for Game Boy Color. And it was sort of like their tribute to the console and like a way of saying goodbye. And they were fantastic games. Um, it was really cool because you could play them in either order. And then at the end, you got like a code. And if you entered it in the beginning of the other one, then it created one really long story. Or you could put them independently, which was cool. So that yeah. was that was a, an interesting thing that Nintendo did for a console. Yeah. That was um, honestly Sony. Sony has done that too. I don't remember if it was after the PS3 came out or just before, but God of War 2, you know, huge Sony franchise. God of War 2 was on the PS2, and I believe, I would have to look it up for sure. People can correct me. It was after. It was after the PS3 came out, and it was still on the PS2. So it's not unheard of for game companies to do that. Yeah. So... It's not, but it's also heard of for Nintendo to release a Zelda game on both current and next-gen consoles. Mm. Speaking of Twilight Princess. Yeah, well, that is the only time yeah. they've done it, so it's, it's, we don't know what's going to happen. It's not like a trend in either direction, is all I'm saying, is that it's possible for either way. Honestly, it would make a lot of sense for them to put it out on NX because the Wii U has sold so poorly, and they're going to need people to jump on board with the NX pretty quickly. There was an interesting, I don't remember who said it at Nintendo, but one of the execs at Nintendo said that it was going to knew up front before they released the Wii U that it was going to be really hard to get any anything like the number of sales that they had for the Wii because the Wii was so famous or so successful. And when you have that many millions of people buying one console, not all of them are going to want to buy every single console in the series. One console is enough for them. So, yeah, the Wii U started out as an underdog, and hopefully now that it's been you know, years since the Wii came out, all the people who skipped the Wii U will be able to come back on board for the NX. Yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. I think part of the whole problem with the Wii U is that the name just confused anybody who wasn't, like, really familiar with the industry. Oh, there's a whole lot of problems, but that is a big one. <laughs> yeah, it's like, Wii, I already own a Wii. Why would I want another Wii? I mean... Yeah. yeah. No, to, I, to this day, I mentioned the Wii U and people don't know what I'm talking about or assume that I'm talking about the Wii. And yeah. it's, it's been years. <laughs> right, exactly. I remember. And it is different. It's very different. It is. And I remember yeah. when they announced the name at E3 and uh, I was working at IGN and we were sitting in our in our war room and uh, there was just jaws dropped, you know, for like five seconds. And then everybody literally started laughing. It was just, it was just terrible that way. Okay, so that's Nintendo Direct. Lots of great things coming from Nintendo this year. And uh, you can read about all of them, at least in, uh, briefly, on Pixelkin. We've got a big story that uh, rounds up everything. So now let's move into what we're playing. I'm going to start real quick because I only have one game. Well, besides Hearthstone, I only have one game. I've been playing more Plants vs. Zombies, Garden Warfare 2, it is amazing, and I love it. Um, I just 
realize, or my husband had told me, he's like, there's something that, that some cool stuff you can do if you play the first game. And I'm like, okay, like I played around a little bit and it like, it gave you like a bunch of like free card packs, which card packs is the way you, uh, you earn your consumables, like plants that you can plant in pots around and, and also the stickers that help you unlock new characters. So I'm like, oh, you know, maybe that was it. And then I went to the mailbox, which I don't know why this was in the mailbox. And then it told me, you have like however many bazillion characters that you can bring into the game. And I'm like, oh, hey, that's what my husband was talking about. <laughs> so yeah, I could bring in all of my characters from the first game, of which I have all of them because we played that game so much. They all they come in as level one characters, but they come in with all their special moves and stuff. Like I had the, the fire, fire pea shooter who shoots fire instead of regular peas, and it does more damage. So so that was really cool to be able to pull all those in. I'm still having fun running around the, the hub world uh, doing missions. I did jump into multiplayer again a little bit better. It's like I'm, I'm kind of getting back into the groove, um, although I was also playing as my metal sunflower, which I have a little bit more experience doing. So, yes, yeah, so it's really cool. can't wait to play it with my husband. He's been traveling a lot. So totally looking forward to playing that with him hearthstone hearthstone is not going well for me this season i just i don't know i don't know what's happening it's it's just not happening that's all i can say um all right so that's what i've been playing uh linda how about you i haven't been playing a lot of stuff but i reorganized a bunch of my house and my home office and i found a whole bunch of 360 games oh cool um that i I forgot I had, and now I'm I'm really excited to uh, play some of those again. Cool. I did play a little Connect Adventures. Cool. Jumping up, you know, on those rafts and <laughs> dodging around in the in the river. Nice. Yeah. Very cool. And almost dying from exertion. <laughs> yeah, but that was fun. Yeah. Stephen, how about you? I am going to defer to the Nintendo expert because I suspect that she and I have been playing the same thing <laughs> and I would like to allow Courtney to go first. Okay, go for it, Courtney. Twilight Princess HD. <laughs> In the last three days, I managed to play about 35 hours of Twilight Princess, which <laughs> wow. uh, conveniently records the amount of hours I've been playing so I can feel appropriately guilty. <laughs> or exhausted or whatever. Yeah, it's been a long time since I've played this game. Um, I intentionally i was thinking about playing it and then they announced it so i've been waiting and a few months ago i played majora's mask and so i'm really even more than ever picking up on a lot of the great through lines that go from ocarina of time to majora's mask to twilight princess which mm. i think that those three games together just make a fantastic trilogy honestly um there's a lot of really cool like, fan theories and things that have been confirmed and I could talk about it for a long time, but basically Twilight Princess is awesome. It's it's beautiful. Uh, I think the remake, they did a, they didn't change very much, but I think the changes that they did make were all very common sense and I can get behind them. Not really into the Cave of Shadows, the bonus area with the amiibo, but what do you think, Steven? I actually haven't tackled that yet. I mean, what am I going to do? I also started playing it. Um, I've been playing it with my sons. We've been kind of crossing between them taking the controller and them shoulder surfing. What's interesting is my son, my older son, he's nine, just 
did kind of the same voyage that Courtney did, right? The idea of he's played Ocarina of Time. He put he hasn't beaten, but he put a lot of time into Majora's Mask. And so now he's playing um, Twilight Princess, and he's just starting to figure out that these games are somewhat connected. Mm. He's like, what do you mean? Kakariko Village. I've been to Kakariko Village. And I'm like, <laughs> dude. So it, that is really, I mean, that's really cool. I, 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 interesting story about this, and I actually put some of it in the review that I put up on my website is that when I first played Twilight Princess, I hated it. When mm. I back when I played it for the Wii, it was super frustrating. It didn't look like I wanted it to. I am a Wind Waker person, so the so I loved Zelda as they called it, <laughs> and so the return to the the return to like the realistic, you know, kind of even though cartoony, you know, like this style of Link was actually jarring for me because I really liked Wind Waker, and I also really hated the waggle controls. It drove me nuts. It wasn't what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted to actually sword fight, and so I managed to get through the for what was it like 14 hour tutorial um <laughs> it's pretty and bad I, <laughs> yeah. I never i made it through the first temple and then i never played it again i put it yeah. down and i never played it i just i couldn't and i couldn't put my finger on it until i tried to play it again later and i hated it so <laughs> this time i am super excited that it's the gamecube version that they hd'd yes um because it's the mirror mode um which made it really awkward Go because everything's in the opposite direction, but I can just hit buttons and it's like playing Ocarina of Time again. And I lost track of time. I didn't quite put 35 hours in um, <laughs> over three days. I was a little <laughs> bit more spread out, but the yeah, it's amazing. I'm having a lot of fun. I think anybody who felt like they missed out on the first one, either because they hated it or because they just don't remember it because it was what like a billion years ago, owes it to themselves to play this game. I do. Oh, that's interesting. That's a good sell for me, because um, I love Zelda. I loved Ocarina of Time. I actually didn't play Majora's Mask, but yeah, when I didn't get very far in Twilight Princess. I'm like, this isn't interesting to me. I don't like how it controls, and I just stopped. Nicole, did So that's good to hear. Did you play it on Wii or GameCube? It was Wii. Yeah, so I played it on GameCube. Um, I have tried it on Wii, but my head exploded because everything is mirrored, right? Um, and, but which was more distract, but I, I think I'm a much bigger fan of joystick and button than I am of swinging the Wii remote around. Um, I think everybody is, I, I don't understand people who wouldn't be that way. Yeah. I think Skyward Sword did a better job than Twilight Princess on the Wii, yeah. but it still wasn't quite what I wanted. And so I'm, I'm really glad that the remake is well, actually, they have both mirrored versions. If you're interested in, if your if your brain can't wrap around switching, uh, which I respect, you could play the game in hero mode, which is the Wii mirrored version of the game, but it still uses the GameCube controls. Mm, yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah, I am. Um, oh. I am a huge fan of Wind Waker as well. Just uh, wanted to throw that out there. But just like lately. I got so into Majora's Mask when they did the HD remake last year, as uh, you may remember, that it's been, I'm very satisfied with the the through lines to Twilight Princess, and I, I think that it's it's such a great spiritual successor to Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. The, the format is really similar to Ocarina of Time, so if you're a fan of that game, I would definitely recommend this one. Cool. All right. Well, I think that that is going to wrap it up for us this week. Thanks so much for listening. If you have questions, comments, or feedback, you can send those to hello at pigslickin.org. And please, please send us questions. Even if you don't like what we're saying or you think we're totally off base, please send us that as well. Um, you can 
find us on Twitter. You can find Pixelkin at Pixelkin underscore org. And you can find the podcast specifically at, at Gaming with Moms. You can find us on Facebook, simply Pixelkin. You can visit Steven's site, engagedfamilygaming.com. His Twitter is at EF Gaming. And he has a really cool uh, Facebook community group that I am a part of where I'm seeing lots and lots of great gaming memes, which is always fun. So, so yeah, I think that's about it. Thanks so much for listening and we'll be back with you next week. Bye.